Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Wednesday in Sound of Play we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 169 is our friend Camille Rousseau. Welcome back, Camille. Good evening, Mr Cox. Hi. Uh, yeah, so for regular Kane and Rinse listeners, uh, they'll have heard you on our recent Resogun show. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, but you're also a, a prolific poster on the forum. Well, I noticed you've been slightly quieter lately. Uh, yeah, I've been, been busy. Been busy? On my end, but yeah, busy in the real world. No hard feelings. That, 
No, absolutely. No, that's absolutely fine. Uh, yeah, but no, good to have you on uh, Sound of Play finally. I've got uh, still got my list of uh, potential guests from the community that I'm working through. So if listeners, right. if you have put yourself forward and I haven't contacted you yet, doesn't mean I won't. I have a list. Uh, who knows when I'll be in touch. It could take a while or it might be before you know it. Uh, but yeah, Camille, uh, obviously, yes, we've spoken in, well, not in real life, but virtually in real life uh, outside of uh, Cana Rinse as well and um, yeah so you've become uh, yeah, a valued member of the community oh, thank you with, very much uh, with your uh, lengthy and incredibly well considered and written uh, posts eh. may I say <laughs> Uh, in your third language, it's as we debatable. know, which is it's debatable, <laughs> which is appalling that you know to the rest of us puts us uh, particularly us Brits to shame. But, eh. uh, but there you go. Uh, that's our that's our uh, cross to bear. Uh, but most importantly, this is Sound of Play. So you've brought a selection of some of your favourite tunes from uh, video games from the history of the medium. That's and right. We've opened the show with. Uh, so this is an arranged version. Mm-hmm. Of a Super Nintendo track, uh, so Super Famicom, people actually okay. Ah. You, you're technic- yeah, you're right. right. You're right. You're right. Because uh, it never came out outside of uh, Japan in this in form. So you're you're, te- yes. you're 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 pedantically correct. But ah. seeing as I'm normally the biggest pedant around here, <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to let it go. Uh, yeah, main theme. Uh, people may know it if even if they've never played a Fire Emblem game, they may have played Smash. Exactly. Uh, I, I know some people. Uh, are quite resentful of the amount of Fire Emblem characters that there are in Smash now. Oh, but really? what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. I think some people feel like they're all a bit the same. And if you don't know the games that they're from, it's like, here's another guy with a sword. But then I the, mean, the guys they brought in from Awakening, that's they're, they're very different, aren't they? So. Yeah, but to be fair, there are also other characters that they could have uh, pulled from, from the series that don't have swords. That would yeah, actually be, yeah. have been have been some slightly more interesting picks, if you ask. But yeah, yeah, you got to go Maybe where so. the, the popularity is, I suppose. So, did you play Genealogy of the Holy War as it's uh, translated um, to I, in English? I, or I played some of it. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. to my shame, I have not finished it for two no. reasons. First of all, it's really, really difficult. Yeah. It's the kind of game that is it's from that era of video games where things were very unforgiving, very, you know, you need a very dedicated mindset in order to see them through kind of like, the you know, some of the early Zelda. Yeah. Uh, the other issue is yeah, you, there's no official English version, so you kind of have to rely no. on, you know, emulation, which is not my favorite thing to do. Mm hmm. But uh, it's it's one it's still one of my favorite games in the series. It, it has right. a very very interesting and very mature narrative that I think mm. a lot of people would not necessarily associate with uh, Nintendo nowadays. Mm. It deals with some surprisingly adult themes, and really? yeah, absolutely. And 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 the track is well, every Fire Emblem has the same main theme. Yeah, but. Every single one has a slightly different arranged version of it, like mm. kind of like Halo or Metal Gear or that kind of stuff. Yes. And I happen to think that this one is the best of the bunch, even though it's it's uh, it's that old. Uh, there's something mm. about the 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 orchestra, you know, about the the epic scale of it that that really speaks to me. And um, yeah, like you said, some some people will probably have heard a similar track from Super Smash Bros. Yeah. So. Uh, for those who aren't fully in the know about Fire Emblem, I consider myself a bit of a fan, but no expert. Um, I've played some of them, but not right. most of them. 
where does this fit in the uh, in the history of the series? Uh, so this is a, a late Super Famicom game, 1996, when yeah. that system was pretty much on its way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so w- where does it fit in and around the other games that people m- may know because um, they've been brought to it the It doesn't. West? Uh, no. Because okay. it's like um, Fire Emblem is a bit like Final Fantasy in that yeah. uh, there are different universes that are not very much connected. Mm. Uh, a difference between between Fire Emblem and Final Fantasy is that the Fire Emblem stories are usually told in pairs. So there's usually like yes. two games that cover one universe. Yeah. And this one is actually uh, the first of its own duology. And the, the, the second one would be Thracia um, 776, yes. which came also, out very, very late in the, in the life cycle yeah. of the Famicom. Super Famicom. Yeah. Uh, I think it broke a record or something. I don't think people would be very familiar with this one. Uh, I don't think people no. would be very familiar with Sigurd. Or maybe there have been card games and there's Fire Emblem Heroes nowadays. So oh, uh, yeah. people are, are, might have encountered some of the characters in, in those games. But um, the games themselves had never have never been remade. Um, yeah, very much an unknown entity over here in the West, I would say. Yeah. So we've only covered the one uh, Fire Emblem game on yeah. the Kane and Rince podcast so far, which is, I know, uh, a bit of a controversial entry. It seems to be very well loved by people who weren't familiar with the series, but less well loved by people who were familiar with the mm-hmm. series, as is so often the case. Yes. That is putting it mildly, yes. <laughs> Broadly, uh, but I—I I mean, I liked it as I, I have played the earlier games on in right. the, their GBA incarnations. But I still liked uh, Awakening. Um, but I, you know, I made sure to play it in the in the traditional style mm. with the with the you know permadeath on and all that kind of thing. And um, I since bought the uh, the the later 3DS game, which seemed to get very little attention. Um, it's yeah. kind of a three parts in one with the DLC. Um, birthright. Oh, you mean you mean uh, fates, fates. Yeah, right. because yeah, there's another fates, one. Echoes, yeah. uh, Shadows of Valencia. Oh right, that oh, came out for yes. three years, which is actually the better, the better of the three years games, if you ask me. <laughs> Always the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that one didn't come out in the in Europe, did it? Yeah, sure. Did it? it came out oh, everywhere. It? Okay. it just went under the radar. It wasn't marketed as heavily as the other ones, and it, it's a remake oh. from an NES game, so it's kind of. It's very, uh, it's very simplistic. You know, some of the mechanics are not very easy to get into, but the story is great and localization is fantastic. Oh, cool! Another one for my, uh, another one for my endless list right. of <laughs> games that I'll never get through. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so, is there is there any word from Intelligent Systems that there's a, a Switch Fire Emblem on the way? Do we know? Well, yeah, there was uh, E3, uh, Three Houses. It's called. Ah, three houses. Right. Yes. And it has I, a, I, I, yeah, no problem. I don't pay much attention to E3. Uh, regular listeners no. may know. Well, was it E3 or was it uh, Nintendo Direct? No, I think you're right. Not, oh, it sure. probably was a Direct. Yeah, actually. it was yeah. probably a Direct. Yeah. I'm just talking nonsense. But yeah. It was around the same uh, time. Yeah. Three houses um, coming. Yes. And uh, it looks it looks great. It looks, from what we've seen, it looks like Return to Form for, for the classic series that I'm personally so fond, fond of. And the soundtrack, speaking of game music, the soundtrack in that trailer is also really, really just high, high quality. And I'm very cool. much looking forward to that one. That's good. Well, they seem to have churned them out in recent years um, relative to, you know, the, the old days of Fire Emblem. But yeah. um, Get a strike while the iron is hot, I suppose. That's true. More yeah. people working on them. Plus, as you say, there's the... Uh, 
the smartphone game, which mm. um, which I don't think is really, it's not really aimed at quite the same audience, I wouldn't have well, said, from what I know. I haven't played it. I don't feel like I'm missing no. out on much. But it, no. I, it has its fans. It's supposed to be oh, really sure. good, yeah. you know, compared with other, other mobile games. It's, it's, it's supposed to be one of the better ones, so... I think it's probably a nice little uh, earner for mm. Nintendo as yeah, a little uh, yeah monetary concern. And it it helps with mindshare, you know. It 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 keeps the 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 series in the in the public yes. consciousness, you know. So Absolutely. it helps with marketing future titles and stuff. As will uh, as will Smash Ultimate mm. coming quite soon now, a couple of months. Mm. Uh, as always in Sound of Play, we have some uh, community selections in between Camille's picks. And our first one today uh, is from Psychonauts. This was requested by Brazenhead89, who says, We've apparently made up for the frankly unforgivable lack of saxophones in gaming soundtracks, if some previous podcast picks have been anything to go by. Therefore, I move that we give the harmonica some overdue love. I can think of no better, more gorgeous example than Psychonauts' Whispering Rock Psychic Summer Camp by Peter McConnell. This gentle yet sunny track sounds exactly like a roaring campfire, a lazy lie down in a hammock and a calm river breeze lapping at your face. The light twanging of guitar lays down the perfect foundation, but it's the harmonica that carries the track to absolutely exquisite heights. That it's attached to an utterly delightful game is merely a cheeky bonus to a track that stands up to repeated listens, no matter the circumstances.
that was Whispering Rock Psychic Summer Camp by Peter McConnell from Psychonauts, the 2005 game, originally for uh, Xbox and PS2 and PC and Mac. Uh, we covered that back in Kane and Rince issue 99. Uh, it feels like only yesterday, but that's, uh, that's like 240 shows ago now. Uh, I'm joined today, listener, by uh, Camille from the community uh did you play psychonauts um the games in your i did history? but i didn't finish it it's it's one of those cases where i really oh. like the concept but yeah the game itself did not grab me and motivate me to the point where i would see through to, to the end but um, i probably wouldn't have finished it but for the podcast because yeah. there are some there are some moments in there <laughs> yeah yeah i recall but i, I like the concept the the it's it, at least it's a it's a game with the with the with the vision behind it you know which is which is something that I, I i happen to to pay attention to you know definitely and uh, the music yeah. is really good so that was a, that was a great pick yeah love peter mcconnell and uh, yes yeah, sequel is uh, happening and on its way and hopefully mm. uh, i think it's probably going to be around next year i don't know for sure but um, um, i would imagine with double fine it will come out when it's ready which is not a bad way to do things, if you ask me. Yeah, <laughs> it can work. All right, so your next pick right. is from one of uh, the series that is known as, I believe, the Nonary Games? Uh, the Nonary actually, no, the series is called Zero Escape. Nonary Games was uh, the double pack on on, um, on PS4 and, and Vita. But oh, the okay. series, is, this, well, yeah. is that not the same umbrella? Uh, yeah, my basically, yeah. It's, oh, it's, okay. it's kind of... Mm. <laughs> I wasn't a million miles away. Well, because the f when the first game came out, it was simply called Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. There was no yes. Zero Escape, so they kind of had to retcon a series title once it became a franchise and stuff. I see. Right, so... So, this is uh, a track that we're going to play from Zero Escape, colon, Virtue's Last Reward, <laughs> uh, in some releases. Um, and so these are visual novels? Yes. Visual novel yes. slash adventure, but mostly visual mm. novels, yes. Mm. Uh, and so I, this is not a genre that... Uh, these are games that I end up acquiring through, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. bundles and PlayStation Plus and whatever else, but it's not necessarily a genre that I am I'm I don't always feel desperate to get involved with. Me neither. Um, okay, so uh, how did this one sell itself to you? Did it did it win you over or uh, well, through just getting involved in the narrative? Or Yeah. Basically, I, I I actually bought Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors uh, on a whim, mm. basic based on internet feedback of all things. Yes, and it didn't it didn't come out in Europe, the the the, the DS version. So I had to nope. import it uh, from yes. America. But, but there was something about it that really spoke to me, and I ended up playing it, and it it immediately became one of my favorite games of all time, wow. uh, simply because th how strong the the story is and the narrative. Mm and the, the characterizations and the plot twists and there's really a lot to to, to dive into this game the, the mm. gameplay is good but it, like always with visual novel it's not mm. really the selling point yes and personally i think the sequel is even better you know versus last wow. reward and now the game have issues you know some of the character design are a bit questionable but mm -hmm. uh overall they're they're very much narrative powerhouses and this track um it's a very soft track you know it's not very much the kind of track that i tend to associate with video game soundtrack when i think of video game soundtrack i tend to think of you know bombastic scores that really really underline the yeah. the action and the scope and, and just you know are, are very much front and center this mm. is more of a nuanced melancholic piece mm. 
and it plays uh, without giving too much away of course but it plays yeah. at a very uh, very powerful poignant moment yeah exactly in 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 the game in the game's narrative that was my assumption right. on hearing it and the fact that you've chosen it made me think that there must be some you must have some emotional connection to yes it. i do i'm not yeah. sure how if it would make such an interesting listen for someone who does not have that emotional connection with the with the story but for me it's um it's a very very powerful piece that um yeah means a lot to me i wish i could go into more detail but you know i, I really don't want to accidentally spoil this one for sure anyone. no well don't definitely right. not so um, i think the music uh stands i'd like to strong on it its own yeah. and uh, as somebody who hasn't played the game and i mean obviously in a way you've kind of i think you've hit the nail on the head of why sound of play you know, doesn't have the same amount of listeners mm. as Kane and Rince podcast does is because I think for some people you do need the connection of the experience with the music. Yeah. Um, but for but for some of us, uh, we're obviously all, all our subscribers are happy just to listen to the music. And in many cases, I've certainly had this hearing a tune from a game makes me want to play the game. And in this case, uh, this was given away fairly recently on PlayStation Plus. So if you have it on, uh, I believe, if you have it on PS4 and or Vita, if you have either of those machines, if, you, if you've been a PS Plus subscriber, you have access to this game. Well, I think that's right. What of advice, though? I would very much recommend starting with uh, Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors yeah. and not jumping into this one, this one because it's yeah. very, very narrative based and mm. uh, you would end up missing out and perhaps spoiling the, the, the yeah. franchise for yourself. So I would not really mm. recommend people to just pick up and play Virtual Slash for World <laughs> out of the blue. But um, if this track somehow, you know, uh, intrigues inspires you, you. Inspires you. you. Yeah. <laughs> in, in any way, then perhaps consider, uh, yeah. That's a good call. All right, let's hear it. Bluebird Lamentation by Shinji Hoso.
from Chunsoft's Virtue's Last Reward. That is The Bluebird Lamentation by Shinji Hoso. Uh, yes, the second. So that's the second in the series, uh, starting with 999, nine hours, nine persons, nine doors. Uh, we covered that game in Kana Rinse issue 184. Some of our uh, team members imported 999, got a hold of it in, in whatever way. That was um, actually the first issue I listened to from you guys. Aha. Yeah. That's how we that's how we ensnare people with mm. uh, by covering niche games that uh, that nobody else well, would do it, a podcast it worked on me, about. So I, I yeah, thought it was a really good issue. Cool, good stuff. Now we have a pick from the forum again. This is from a JRPG series that uh, that I've been familiar with the name of forever, but I've never played one of its entries. I know that uh, one of the most recent entries, the most recent entry, I suppose, East Eight, has uh, had some crossover success in actually getting people's attention and this is a long running and and you know it's a series east that has you know very uh, fervent fan base um, very dedicated fans but uh, but i think a lot for a lot of people it, it very much flies under the radar but um not all of our community because blue weasel breath says i decided to pick up the east series for the first time a few months ago after hearing a request or two from it on the sound of play there you go and deciding the series sounded cool I got the East Chronicles collection on iOS. This bundle included the remakes of the first two games in the series. They look lovely and have terrific reworking of the already awesome original soundtracks. Most of the reworkings are electric guitar heavy, but this one from East 2 stood out because it is acoustic and it has an achingly gorgeous melody. The original version of this tune had most of the ingredients already, but the redone track with full instrumentation adds a four bar intro and then tweaks the main melody slightly by playing the second measure of the main melody an octave up from the first line. The original kept both measures in the same octave, which makes an enormous difference to the overall feel of the melody. Plus, the live instrumentation sounds so pretty. And you can hear it. Uh, this is by uh, Mieko Ishikawa and or Yukihiro Jindo from East 2 Chronicles, and it's called Tender People, brackets, Ramia Village.
from East 2 Chronicles, the iOS version, so it's probably an arranged track uh, released by uh, variously Hudson, Soft, Atlas or Exceed, depending on where you are, uh, from 2009's East 2 Chronicles. Uh, East Chronicles. Um, Camille, yes. I know that, uh, well, I think I know, based on, on what you've written on the forum and having spoken to you, that uh, most of your games, uh, most of the games that you favour are, I, I realise we're making a mockery because you just spoke about uh, visual novels, but mm. a lot of the games that I feel like you favour have some very um, kind of, they're very mechanic heavy, like uh, very... I don't know. Is that is well, that right? Fair. It, it, is that it's fair to say. No, no. It's fair to say that I I, I tend to be an action game player at heart, mm. but I also appreciate games from a different genre as long as they have a clear vision. So there are a lot of JRPGs that I like. There are a lot of okay. you know some visual novels. Some you know games can yeah. be great in any genre. It's just I just like yes. uh, games that have a focused focused vision. You know, and and mm. a lot of games nowadays tend to spread themselves very thin. You know, mechanically yeah. and and. In, in other aspects and that's the type of design choice that tends to put me off but um a good a good jrpg is definitely worth playing so i'm not i'm not mm. prejudiced against jrpgs no no well i will <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't dare suggest that but i was curious because just thinking about um obviously you were talking about fire emblem earlier right. and that uh, those games are very uh yeah very strategic very mechanical whereas um obviously within different rpgs you have different combat systems but the uh, you know one of the criticisms that i think um perhaps mikhil has mm -hmm. uh, of jrpgs is that the gameplay gets buried in the grind in the well, you know yeah okay i have not played is origins uh, uh is collection but i have played is origins uh -huh. on ps4 and actually it's an action rpg so the combat is is very much dexterity based it's not turn based so uh -huh, it good. plays like a like a top down action game so to speak and it has some surprisingly challenging bosses so yeah it's i mean it's not like mega man level of dexterity that is needed no, but right. it's it's actually not as uh, lethargic as you might think, <laughs> but I actually really like. I again, I haven't uh, finished it. I'm afraid it's a bit of a uh, common issue nowadays with all the the, oh, yeah. the you know For choice all. paralysis that you have nowadays yeah. with all the, the games being discounted and everything. But I actually really really liked what I what I the little I've played from its origins. And cool. um, actually, the series is based on um, on the French. Legend, I think, of all things, uh, is I think is a, a mythological French city that is somehow part of French folklore, and somehow uh, uh, through some mysterious um, shenanigan, <laughs> some yeah. Japanese develop developer have gotten hold of it and created an entire JRPG series out of it, which is it's interesting. Really bizarre, they do. Know? They do that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, there's there's certainly a lot of um, Germ Germanic crossover with uh, Japanese games, mm. use of you know Einhender and Dragoon and things like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's also um, uh, I was thinking of uh, Jean d'Arc. That was a that was a French mm. yeah there was uh, French a, game um, tackled by strategy mm. game I think mm. uh, yeah. La Pucelle Tactics. That's it. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's Jean d'Arc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so speaking of your love of tight mechanics and focus design, um, you couldn't obviously visit Sound of Play without bringing a track from, uh, I think, the game that you probably uh, wax lyrical about the most. Yeah, um, I've played it once or twice. 
<laughs> the mercenaries. This is uh, from the the specific game mode um, from Resident Evil Four that mm-hmm. uh, that we didn't do justice to on either of our podcasts. I'm so sorry, Mickey. It's fine. Yeah, but, it's uh, an acquired taste, you know. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I did say I was a fan, but I just haven't played it as much uh, it's over the years as the other modes. But um, yes, I can totally, I totally got the appeal when I when I did have a, a brief period of being into it. So for those who don't know, who've never uh, ex- experimented with it, um, you had to finish Resident Evil Four to unlock this. Mm. I think is that still true on all versions? Uh, I, I think, think so. Yes. Ever- yeah. yeah, I wouldn't under maybe on the recent versions they should have just unlocked it from the start. I don't know, but um, maybe maybe you just have to learn the game first. Uh, but it's effectively a score and time attack based mm. um, kind of arena combat game based around the Resident Evil Four mechanics. Um, yeah, so basically. why do you love it so much, Camille? Well, it, in brief, <laughs> like I said in, in the Resident Evil in my Resident Evil Four contribution, it's I love it so much because it's all about skill and strategy, and because it's not not luck based you know it's not luck dependent yeah and nope. nothing puts me off more in an action game from losing you know time and progress through something that i feel was not really my fault you know yeah and like i really like the the core resident Evil 4 gameplay in general because yeah. i don't necessarily have the dexterity to do like devin mccray 4 combo videos and stuff or mm. you know one cc ikiruga more on that later yeah but <laughs> Um, so there's something about the slow-paced, methodical core gameplay of Resident Evil 4 that just very much appeals to me. And mm. yeah, I think Mercenaries is 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 an incredibly interesting and, and carefully constructed piece of software. I love it. But believe it or not, I was not actually planning on shilling the mode itself. I was actually picking this particular uh, track because yeah. I want to touch upon the concept of character themes. Mm. And in my opinion, a good memorable character theme is one of the most important tools in in mm. in in a in a director's tool set mm. because it can really help with making a lasting impression on the on the player or on the on the audience in general. Yeah. And I would argue that in video games one of the most notorious examples of this would be Street Fighter. Mm. Right? Yeah, and you have tracks like you know Gaia's theme and Ken's theme that are very, very, very recognizable even outside of the game. Mm. And one of the things that I like about Resident Evil 4's Mercenaries is that every single character has its own theme. The other modes, the other games in the in the series did not use that that premise. So in five and six and three D, you just have generic music for every single character, and I think it kind of takes away from the from the experience. Mm. So. Uh... This is uh, this is Wesker's theme right. from Resident Evil Four. Now I've been, uh, and I know you have as well, because you've been co-oping it with McKeel. We're currently at the time of recording mm. preparing for our next uh, Resident Evil podcast in that series, which is Resident Evil Five. Um, and I would say that Wesker in Resident Evil Five is just utterly absurd. Um, by this point, uh, <laughs> it's it's just pure scenery chewing comedy but yeah. in four there's still just that little bit of menace left perhaps yeah. about the character and yeah i, w- I would I, w- I would agree with that and this track very much encaps- en- encapsulates the the type of 
uh, megalomania, you know, like the, the psychotic yeah. megalomania that I usually associate with, with Wesker. And it's actually a bit surprising to me that this particular theme was never reused in, in the series. It wasn't used mm. in Resident Evil 5. It wasn't used in any of the re-releases for the, the previous games. It's very much buried in this mode that, well, pretty much nobody has played. And mm. it's, it's, it's strange to me because I think it's a perfect, perfect fit for the character. was Wesker theme 
the mer- from the Mercenaries mode uh, by Misao Simbongi, the composer of uh, Resident Evil 4. Hmm. That game is now available on almost everything that you can possibly get your hands on. And we covered it. We've covered it twice on the Cane and Rinse podcast. If you want to hear the differences between our 2011 selves and some slightly different folks apart from me in 2018, uh, you can dig out Cane and Rinse issues 2 and 336, uh, which is quite an interesting compare and contrast. Uh, but generally, our opinion, opinion of the game, and this is no spoiler, is uh, pretty high in both shows. Uh, yeah, always a pleasure to talk about uh, that particular game. Um, I agree. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not sure we'll ever see anything quite like it ever again. Yeah, uh, this makes me uh, sad, but yes, I agree. <laughs> no, it does. There'll be something else uh, just as good. Maybe, I'm just somewhere. going to go ahead and say it. Uh, in terms of encounter design, which is one of the things you didn't really mention all that much in the on the podcast, I actually think that Next Machina, of all things, is another great example of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well... Nice segue because we're talking about a house smart game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this next request is from Rob25x from the forum who says a great track from one of my personal favorite PS3 games. It's also available now on um, PS4 and Vita. Uh, and soundtracks says Rob, not much to say about it really, but classic video game music. I'm sure you'll agree. I'm sure we will. This is, I think it's pronounced Lave like in Elite uh, hmm. by Ari Pulkinen. Or maybe it's Lave. Anyway, this is from Super Stardust HD.
unbelievably, 11 years old now, that version of the game, although the original Stardust and Super Stardust go back even further to the early 90s on the Amiga. Uh, but perhaps people listening to this will know it better from its uh, PS3 incarnation. As I say, that game did also get uh, ported to PSP, but it, it did also come out on PS4 and no one really seemed to notice. Mm. Um, it was converted by a, uh, a different studio, but it's... It's nigh on identical, other than it runs at uh, 1080, so it looks even better. Um, and yeah, it was a, an instant uh, addition to my PS4 library. I think it's called Super Stardust Ultra on uh, PS4. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yeah, and it's often available in digital sales for you know next to few, nothing. Yeah, a few euro or or quid. So well worth checking out if you miss uh, miss a bit of classic um, asteroids action, and if you are a fan of House Mark's work, as we are. With Resogun and Next Machina, I would say that Super Stardust is kind of yeah an essential third prong in that um, in that little compilation. Did you play Super Stardust as well as the other Housemark games that have been around in the last decade or so? I'm going to lose all my credibility and say that I have not. <laughs> That's okay. Because every single time I'm saying okay, I need to check out Super Stardust, I just boot up my PS4 and I look at my <laughs> shoot 'em up folder and I see Resogun and <laughs> Next survival. Machina before, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and play Resogun again. Yeah, I or, mean those, yeah, or I any don't know. of the other 15 shoot 'em ups that I have. Well, more on that sure. later. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yes, I think I would say, um, I think in a way, uh, Super Stardust is a little less, um, it's kind of a bit less precise and yeah, demanding that's what than I've heard, those yes. other games. But it's, uh, I would still say it's an enormous amount of fun. Um, and especially as, you know, for, for an old crusty like me who grew up with the original mm. Asteroids and then Blasteroids in, in the 80s, uh, this was like the ultimate realisation of that kind of that basic concept of gameplay i you know you're right. on a screen zooming about with inertia and shooting asteroids breaking into smaller asteroids i kind of think with this game hopefully somebody will come along and surprise me and prove me wrong but i don't i didn't feel like there was anywhere else to go with with that after this but mm. it does have lots of house marks kind of trademark uh, polish and attention to detail and uh, sort of interesting use of um uh, collectible items and power-ups and, right. uh, and as you say, encounter design, um, different waves of enemies requiring very different strategies and tactics. So you're you're constantly on the fly. And, and this game really um, sort of cemented their use of a boost mechanic as well, which they use in pretty much all their games, even their, their other uh, strand of uh, sort of um, gauntlet-y games with Dead Nation and Alienation, those sort mm. of things. They also have a kind of Invinci dash kind of maneuver so they they obviously really value that in in their their design portfolio although as we know sadly they are they are saying they're moving away from arcade yes. style games but actually their next game looks pretty promising to me so I, I think maybe i think maybe we're still going to see we're still going to see um their roots not betrayed i think maybe it's almost just a, a kind of it's almost a marketing thing just to say that they're it's, it's almost it's partly an aesthetic thing just to say we're moving away from arcade style games but actually the the gameplay roots of these things are in all sorts of games that come out now aren't they um they have they can be thrown back yeah and speaking of ari polkinen he also did the soundtrack for resogun and especially Surely. next machina and those games yes. also have like fantastic soundtracks so this guy definitely knows what he's doing yeah next machina is my favorite of the three uh by some distance i think yeah, mm. the, the, the the music in that one like the action just seems to actually really uh synchronize 
with it in a, in a way that it doesn't with the other two games. But See, I, I actually be, I actually disagree. Uh, for me, it's mm. the other way around. I think oh, Resogun yeah. has a better, more fitting soundtrack, and I really like the thing. the soundtrack in Next Machina as well. But if I had to keep only one of the, of the two, it would be it would be Resogun. Mm. But it's close. Uh, yeah. And also the Super Stardust HD soundtrack, of course, has uh, multiple ver- variations. Um, it has like a space opera kind of mix of it. It has a mm. retro Amiga style soundtrack. So you can you can uh, pick your poison, as it were. Uh, it was a, a yeah typical uh, attention to detail and a nice touch from Housemark. Uh, we covered Resogun. We haven't done Super Stardust or Next Machina yet, maybe someday, in issue 334 with myself and Camille here and also Carl and Josh. Check that one out on podcast platforms everywhere. Now, speaking of shoot 'em ups of a slightly different style, but uh, I know some people kind of lump them all in together. Uh, this is a track from what was originally a 2001 game, but has since then been released almost every other year on something or other, uh, right up until this year, where it's finally come out on PS4 and Switch. And I think this was the year that you finally played it, was it, uh, uh, yes. Neil Ikaruga? Although uh, I bought the Xbox 360 version, but I didn't oh, know anything yes. about shoot 'em ups or you know life at <laughs> that point, so I didn't I didn't really play it. But uh, I actually bought the yeah the the PS4 re-release, yeah. especially because it came out at a very low price, like half yeah. of the price of the Switch version for some you know inscrutable reason. No Switch and, tax. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, got, I really got into it. Me and and mm. uh, Stancho from the forum, yeah. we had a bit of a friendly um, competition. Yes. I enjoyed watching this. This was this was the kind of this is the kind of thing I occasionally say. Like there are certain things when I set up Kane and Rinse. I'll let you get back to this in a second. But when I when when I came up with the idea and we mm. set up Kane and Rinse, I should say, taking no credit away from my <laughs> colleagues whatsoever, because uh, I couldn't do it without them. Uh, one of the things that I had in my head was that we'd have a community who were into things like building arcade cabs. We've got that, yeah, and doing high and doing score attacks on niche games of certain genres and this was one of them so i was very pleased to see that anyway carry on so yeah me and 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 stanchel had a friendly competition and i had to very much hit the ground running with this one because i had and still have very very limited experience with the with the bullet hell genre because it's very much a different beast than than resogun it it may fall under the shoot 'em up umbrella so to speak but it's not it's not really the same thing. It requires a different mindset. And Ikaruga in particular is not even a conventional bullet tell. It's very much a, Certainly not. a puzzle. It's almost like a puzzle game yes. with the polarity system and everything. And um, yeah, we, we, we had a lot of fun with our, with our, with our back and forth. And um, to my shame, I have not gone back and tackled the, the higher level. So this is the... You've lost the, your skills now. You need to... No, it's just it's just it's really really difficult, and I, yeah. I I can't manage. But the first the first stage is an incredible, incredibly well constructed challenge, mm. and the music is like if you're gonna have a track that's going to play and replay and replay over you know yeah. hundreds of well not hundreds but dozens of hours of retries, the track needs to be on point because if it's not then it's going to get It'll really drive you nuts. Yeah, yeah, it's going to get really, really annoying. And to yeah. the game's credit, this track did not get annoying. Like even even after you know ten hours of retry, I still, I still, I still, I, I didn't mute it, and 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 I kept trying, and and I I feel like this track is just 
it has a great sense of rhythm and motivational quality to it that is is just a perfect fit for the game it's in Ideal from Ikaruga, the treasure game, originally from 2001 when it came out at the arcades and uh, also Dreamcast since then. It arrived on uh, first GameCube, then uh, Steam, and I'm doing this from the top of my head, and Xbox 360, and yeah, more recently on, on Switch and PS4. And yeah, uh, literally zero reviews for the PS4 version of Ikaruga, which I just found bizarre. Mm. Have you played um, it? By the way. Yes, yeah, I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've owned it on at least four systems. Mm. Uh, I've never got good at it, um, but I've tried. Um, <laughs> uh, it is, as you say, incredibly demanding and challenging. Yeah, um, it, it's all I, about memorization. Yeah. You need to yes. memorize. It's like it's like a piano, basically. It's like a, it's yeah. like playing, you know, Mozart or whatever. You need to just memorize all the right notes at all the right timing and just just nail the execution. If you really want to see something uh, there's some videos out there of one guy controlling both ships yeah i posted that on a forum yeah it's it's yeah. fantastic it's it's, it's really just, really impressive just insane yeah uh i just don't even know don't even know i mean i yeah gosh yeah i have to say though it's all about time it it just it just take, takes time and practice it's not that like mechanically demanding well yeah. it's demanding mentally but in terms of yes. dexterity it's it's it it's not that hard. You just need to know exactly what you're doing and and yeah. execute on it perfectly. But execute it precisely mm. and yeah, over and over again. Don't lose your composure. Distracted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. So Hiroshi Yuchi, 
there with uh, that piece and the rest of the soundtrack. Uh, yes, as as we say, a game that you can still check out, but don't expect to come away feeling good about yourself necessarily. <laughs> Talking about shoot 'em ups that are hard, uh, this one actually is kind of a bit more traditional. Uh, it's not quite such a puzzle game. Dodon Pachi Dai for Cats. This is from uh, Joshi Hatsumitsu, who is uh, our one of our members of the forum, um, probably our most prolific uh, arcade cabinet builder and collector. Um, he does some amazing stuff. Worth following yeah. on Instagram as well. Uh, a true aficionado and, uh, yeah, just utter... Always a great uh, read. Yeah, absolutely. Just a real fan of, of the arcade uh, and, the, and the history of the medium and all that good stuff. Uh, and yeah, so understandably requests a track from uh, one of the games that he covets. Joshi Hatsumitsu says, my go-to for when I'm at work and need, a ch- uh, need to tune out those around me. I love the drums in this. Also, my audio happy place. So this is actually the uh, select theme, the Arrange album version by uh, the artist known as Resonator, who's actually Kota Takahashi.
from the 2010 Cave Shoot 'em Up that on Patchy Diffocats. Select Music, the arranged version by Resonator. Uh, that game is also uh, originally an arcade machine, came very quickly to Xbox 360. Uh, you can play it over here uh, under the title of uh, Donpachi Resurrection. It was brought over by Rising Star Games. I remember getting it for one Christmas. I still have it. Um, yeah, still probably one of the best ways to play, but you can also play it on smartphones. Uh, it's on Steam now as well. Um, we covered the sort of gamut uh, we couldn't get in deep into all of them obviously in one podcast but back in Kane Rinse issue 200 uh, 112 uh, we tried to at least kind of get over some of what uh, some of us like about those sorts of games um, and I think yeah it we always end up saying the same or I end up saying the same things about the genre as a whole it's odd to me that Games like that are now considered such a niche concern because there was a period in the 80s uh, where they were the main genre of game. You know, shoot 'em ups were the be all and end all. <coughs> and now, uh, when you talk about shoot 'em ups, people, there's a real lack of understanding about the, the differences in the genre, which is what we were just mm. kind of alluding to. The fact that within the shoot 'em up genre, there's all kinds of different games. And um, yeah, and I, and I understand why people don't necessarily want to get into them anymore. But yeah. also, I think there is a lot of pleasure to be had. I absolutely agree. But like video games nowadays, it's very much a medium for, you know, lots of you know very different types of audiences. You're right. And, yeah. and there's a not insignificant portion of, of, of players out there who just don't don't care about challenge, don't care about mechanics. And yes. personally, I'm not in that camp, you know, but nope. I, I, I get it. I, I get it. And if, if shoot-em-ups find a way to survive even and as lower lower price, lower budget indie, it's, it's, yeah. it's fine. That's Unfortunately, right. uh, games like Dodonpachi, you know, haven't, haven't really received the current-gen release, which, which is something that I would welcome with open arms. I don't know about mm. you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I would love a. Um, I would like to see Cave doing downloadable compilations for mm. Xbox One and PlayStation Four. I think that would work really well. Yeah. So, whereas I think maybe one game might be a difficult value proposition if they did like the cap, the recent Capcom beat 'em up collection, the Belt Scroller Pack. So you put five games in in a uh, for a you know like a ten or maybe fifteen pound, fifteen euro download. I think maybe that could persuade a few people. Um, but it's a tricky one, yeah. Um, last gen, Rising Star and uh, and people like that did a great job of of bringing these games out, and they would put really nice packages together with uh, extra CDs of art and soundtracks and things like that. But yeah, that sort of thing seems to have dried up a bit as well. So. I mean, people don't buy it. It's it's that simple. I mean, mm. but yes, there are still uh, there's still a number of these kinds of games coming out, especially on platforms like the Switch, uh, where you know, relatively small developers can release them relatively easily and they can find their, their niche market. And uh, so, yeah, long may it continue, as you say. Uh, remember, listener, please venture over to our forum. If you don't already, com slash forum for intelligent and respectful discourse about video games, but also to request tracks for this very show. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at Rinse. Use the hashtag SoundPlay if you want to make a pick for the show. Or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash obviously. Uh, that's also where we curate video games news, as well as publicizing our latest output across uh, all our various uh, podcasts and blog. Uh, 
Uh, request your favourites, as I say, and we'll continue to include a selection in each regular Sound of Play. Please subscribe if you don't already to this podcast. Leave us an iTunes or Apple podcast review or rating or whatever your podcast platform. If you can do that, it's really helpful to us. Uh, follow us on social media. We also have Instagram. Uh, and if you've enjoyed this show and you enjoy our output and you appreciate the time and effort that goes into it and you want us to be able to keep on doing it, please do consider donating that uh, minimum of just a dollar a month, a US dollar, through our Patreon, patreon.com slash You get various bonuses. You get early Cane and Rinse podcasts. You get an exclusive monthly podcast. You get extended Cane and Rinse podcasts. Uh, we've made that, I think, a really fair value proposition and you get uh, the warm feeling in your belly that uh, you're helping us out as well. So before we hear about your last track, I just want to thank Camille. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, of course. Thanks for having me. And thank you to all of our community contributors. Uh, Camille, you got anything you want to plug? I know you don't really do much social media. Uh, no, I don't do social media. I don't like to be found. <laughs> I don't like to be harassed. I don't like to be... You Talk like to be to on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you put yourself out there now. Yeah. This is it. We'll see what happens. You might get. Some I mean, stalkers. I'm fairly active on the forum. If well, you, people want to come by and say hi, it's a really nice place. So it is. We consider 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 coming by. Yeah, canerince.com/forum to talk to us. Uh, so your final pick is uh, yeah from a perhaps a more uh, a more mainstream game than some of those we've been talking about. Um, mm, arguably. Arguably, probably sold more copies than anything else we've spoken about without without going back through everything. Mm. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, originally released in 2004, since come out on uh, a number of other formats, recently uh, arrived very topically as a backwards compatible game on Xbox One, the HD version for 360. You can now play on your Xbox One along with Metal Gear Solid 2. Uh, so... Uh, are you a Metal Gear guy? Did you follow the whole series uh, um, and all of its narrative toings and froings? Yes. I like Metal Gear more than Resident Evil, to put it in. Mm. <laughs> You're what's a big it, what, Re- uh, Metal Gear fan. Yes. Uh, it's probably my favorite series in, in okay. video games. I absolutely adore Metal Gear. I'm, mm. I'm not that fond of some of the later entries. I'm not that mm. really big on Peace Walker and Phantom Pain, especially. Mm. But the classic the classic trilogy and is just yeah those are some of the greatest milestones in in video games for my money and they're very much the complete package you know you have great gameplay although that that's more it's a more contentious point with some Mm -hmm. people great story again more contentious point uh i think the storytelling is a bit uh, is a bit flawed but i personally like to make a distinction between story and storytelling yeah and that's it's a good distinction to yeah, make if you and, can do and it. Yeah, and you see there's something like Uncharted 4, for example, with, you know, fantastic cutscene direction and voice acting. But the story itself is a bit thin for my money. Yeah, yeah And true. And Metal Gear is, is basically the exact opposite to that. Yeah, and right. you have a lot of corny dialogue, lots of stuff is, is lost in translation. It's rough around the edges, but the story mm. itself is, is timeless and it's, it's, it's monumental. And the third one is my personal favorite. Like mm-hmm. a lot of other people's. Yeah, and, Josh is uh, certainly right. in that camp. Yeah. And uh, the ending is one of the just greatest moments in, in entertainment, if you ask me. It's it's mm-hmm. really just, it completely floored me the first time I played it. It still mm. it still moves me every single time I revisit it, which is, you know, every, every year, every other year. Yeah. And uh, this piece of music perfectly encapsulates a lot of the, the the feelings like like we mentioned on on fire emblem 
it's mm. and and um, virtuous last reward. It's very much mm. something that I I associate with the game itself, and and the narrative beats and the emotions uh, with with it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. Again, I don't want to give anything away for the people uh, who have not yeah. played it, but uh, let's just say it's. Well, listen, listen for yourself. <laughs> Fifteen years. Are we not allowed to talk about the? Uh, I mean, some people haven't played it. I mean, new people are born every day. You know, you can't just. That's very true, uh, and it is available on current systems. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, let's not ruin it. Uh, yes, I also uh, I have, even though I, I have, I've only played this through once, and I played mm. it for the podcast when we covered it back in as part of the entire Metal Gear series back mm. in Kane and Rince issue thirty nine. I was definitely impressed by. Um, just uh yeah a number of aspects like maybe i'm not quite as into the narrative as the likes of you and josh are but mm. from a, a video game point of view just the the technical side and the attention to detail and the the amount of gameplay possibilities yeah um that kojima productions put into this um the detail is uh, is mind-boggling in itself um yeah pretty much an essential play i'd say for anyone who's a fan of of video games as a medium um well, i think I don't know, like, bias beware, the, the gameplay can be a bit tricky to get into. So it's not necessarily something I would recommend to people who just don't have patience. Yeah, <laughs> or, maybe. But you can play it on easy. Um, it's pretty easy yes. on easy. Okay, well, fair enough. <laughs> maybe you're missing out there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so this, uh, this lovely, uh, sumptuous track we'll be leaving you with about seven minutes. You should enjoy it uh, from Norihiko Hibino. This is called Debriefing, appropriately enough. <laughs> uh, so thanks again to Camille and uh, we'll see you next time on Sound of Play. <laughs> 